Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, what's good? Welcome back to another episode of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. My name is Valerian Gulo. We've got a packed show for you today. We're going to be joined by Brandon Huffman. He's the National Recruiting Editor for 24-7 Sports. We're going to touch on all the latest hot topics from this last week, including a new rankings release for the a, a refresh to the top 24-7. We're also going to be joined by Mike Roach. He covers recruiting in the state of Texas and covers the Longhorns for our Texas site, Horns 24-7. Texas had a huge week. They are now jumped into the top 10 in the team recruiting rankings. And uh, it seems like they have things going in the right direction heading into the season. But first, let's begin with the kickoff. The D1 Council approved a preseason football model, assuming that a first game would be on September 5th. The model begins summer access activities July 13th. So there's a timeline now. There's there's a concrete and a visible way to look at things. It would add meetings and walkthroughs on July 24th, given that September 5th model. I know there's some schools, some teams that actually play college football games before that. So that timeline would be accelerated for them even further. Preseason practice begins on August 7th if a first game would be on September 5th. So now let's bring in our guy, Brandon Huffman, the national recruiting editor for 24-7 Sports. Brandon, your reaction to the latest news that we are one step closer to college football? Baby steps. I'll take baby steps rather than being in a stagnant position, a neutral where there was no forward movement. I mean, even if they have to say no fans can come, if there's something on my television resembling real college football, I will happily take it. And there was a report actually out here in Los Angeles by the LA Times citing an email sent out by the USC athletic department to its season ticket holders that they are preparing for a college football season with limited access to fans. So there's going to be a certain amount of fans allowed into the games. Obviously, they're probably going to social distance you uh, from sitting closer to other people or there's going to be a limit, obviously, on capacity. So uh, despite the fact that obviously we're going through all this together, it, it does seem like college football is lining up it, it, its, its ducks and, and getting us ready for a season. I think it's one of those times where it's good to be a big money booster because I can guarantee you the bigger booster you are, the better chances you are of getting one of those tickets socially distanced from the other fans. But hey, if you have a suite, right now might be the time to get out of the suite because that's enclosed. You might get to a sit out and enjoy the sweltering heat that the Southeast provides during the first few weeks of the football season. Yeah, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be funny and interesting to see how, you know, the, the, how the elbows are being jostled, you know, who, who's getting that inside track on maybe a better seat than the other person who's staying in the shade, who's going to be out in the sun, who's sitting next to the tarps that are going to be covering large portions of the, of the capacity field. So 
Uh, it's going to be very interesting. Obviously, with college football getting one step closer, recruiting also accelerates and ramps up. We're still awaiting word on when uh, the recruiting dead period will end. It had previously been extended to the end of July, so we're still at least five to six weeks before visits and in-person meetings would be permissible or allowed. Uh, so obviously, things are still kind of moving in that direction. But if if the NCAA Council is now setting deadlines and, and timelines and and providing a time frame for what the future could look like, then we are, are obviously moving also a little closer to opening up recruiting, and and that creates obviously some some excitement. We at Twenty Four Seven Sports actually released an, a refresh to the top twenty four seven. If you haven't checked it out, make sure to go over to Twenty Four Seven Sports. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of conversation, Brandon, over the last couple of years about who is the number one player in the top 20, uh, 24-7 for the 2021 class. Uh, we have it, JT Tuimoloau, five-star defensive end from the state of Washington, number one. Number two is another five-star defensive end from Corona Centennial in California. Uh, number three right now, JC Latham, recently committed to Alabama, five-star offensive tackle from IMG Academy in Florida. It seems like those are the three realistic options right now for that number one spot. How do you see things shaking out? What What's maybe kind of the dilemma right now that we're facing as evaluators to try to distinguish and differentiate between these three? Well, I, I think there's a couple of things. Obviously, the dearth of events this spring because of the coronavirus and the shutdown and the inability to have a lot of camps. I know you and, and Greg Biggins got to see Corey Foreman just a couple of weeks ago at the Winter Circle Athletic event. I got a chance to see JT Tumalawa this week uh, up at FSP where he trains, working out with Cliff Averill, uh, former Seattle Seahawk, uh, NFL Super Bowl champion, and just doing some work out there. But really, there's not been a lot of events. And, and usually at this time in the summer, we're a week or two out from the opening finals and getting a chance to not only see the top players in the country go at it against each other, but get a chance to see linemen in pads. So we really could have had kind of separation week happening down in Frisco at the star if in a normal year where you could have had JT and Corey Foreman going up against JC Latham and kind of just seeing who's going to be the, the alpha dog in this class against each other and really have it settled on the field. Um, now we're kind of in that dilemma of where we're relying on old information, whether it was, you know, Corey Foreman's performance last year at the opening finals, whether it was, you know, JT second straight all state season. Uh, the fact that, you know, he's an, uh, a two sports star, JC Latham, the best off of the tackle in his class. I mean, now we we're just kind of looking to the point where there's not a lot more we can debate right now. Now we just got to look ahead until the fall and hopefully there's football. Uh, but I like JC Latham's chances of playing football much more than I do uh, Corey Foreman and JT Tumalo out just because the West Coast seems to be still taking a much more deliberate approach to getting back into full action on the high school football ranks. Yeah, we, we haven't gotten word out here in California. I know several big name programs, national schools like St. John Bosco and Modern Day are beginning to to start the, the wheels turning on some workouts. These are players that are going to be going through uh, running drills and, and weightlifting and, and things like that, but nothing yet in terms of team stuff where uh, there's a large group of, of players together. 
Uh, there's nothing in pads yet. There's nothing, you know, I guess substantial in that regard. So like you mentioned earlier, baby steps, right? And then I think that's all we can focus on right now. I, I do think uh, you touched on it there, right? Uh, the missing the opening and not having that event uh, to evaluate and having all the top players in the country in one spot for, for a few days is going to hurt the evaluation process. But I, I do feel like guys like JT Tuimolowau, guys like Corey Foreman, guys like JC Latham, them the, the their body of work has has to take a lot into account right we have to really base it on what they've done over the last few years the, you know it's it's a bit surprising that for both of them there's not too much film uh but we have all seen these guys in person you know you've seen jt a number of times i've seen them in seven on seven you've seen Corey foreman a few times i've seen them not only in games but also in, in the camp setting uh so right now it is, it is a, a bit interesting and it is uh you know a bit difficult i would say to really find ways or find a, an avenue to maybe put one guy over the other. I think it is going to be a very intriguing and interesting battle all the way until the last rankings release. We had a bit of, of, of recruiting news to, to share and to get into, uh, including a, a big-time commitment in the state of Oregon. Well, a couple big-time commitments in the state of Oregon from teammates at Jefferson High School in Portland. And Nathan Rollins-Kibanji uh, is a four-star defensive end. He is headed to play his football in the Big 12 for the Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah, and I think that's a gigantic pickup, not just for Oklahoma, uh, but also a kind of a blow to the Pac-12. You know, interesting recruitment for Rollins Kabanji. Last summer, he was a commit to Washington State for basketball. Hadn't played football. And Don Johnson, the then head coach at Jefferson High School, saw him on campus, saw the six foot seven guy on campus, and you should come play football. It could change your entire life. Now, keep in mind, he's a Pac-12 basketball commit at the time. Goes out and plays football. Jamar Kane at Arizona State at the time ends up being one of his first football offers. Well, fast forward a few months, Jamar Kane, who's done a great job recruiting at Arizona State, uh, in especially in Northern California where he was from, gets hired at Oklahoma. The only school Nathan Rollins Kabanje had an official visit scheduled for this spring was for Oklahoma during their spring game weekend. The visit got canceled because of the shutdown, but they did a virtual tour, and that was enough to convince Rollins Kabanje that's where he wanted to go. Making it even more impressive was the fact that Stanford, which had long been his dream school, offered after he had named his top eight, immediately made it into his final nine, uh, but then a final three, and Rollins Cabanje still picked Oklahoma. So there were six, seven Pac-12 schools that all thought that they had a decent chance at getting Rollins Cabanje. Instead, it's Oklahoma coming out west, Lincoln Riley, uh, you know, Alex Grinch had some time when he was at Washington State. So it, between Jamar Kane and Washington State's old friend Alex Grinch, it took some work there, but they took a what was a Pac-12 commit, and now he's headed to the Big 12 and probably the highest regarded recruit to come out of the PIL uh, in their important Sitton Dalmakunsu, who committed to a Big 12 school and played at a Big 12 school before they joined the Big 10 in Nebraska 15 years ago. Uh, not quite the player that Dalmakunsu was at the same stage, but the upside of a 6'7 basketball player playing his first year of football, I think it's enough to make Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley pretty giddy about this pickup. What do you think Oklahoma's potential 
to continue to raid the West Coast is now moving forward. Obviously, they've been a mainstay in the college football playoffs since it's, since it was introduced. They've landed guys like Spencer Rattler from the state of Arizona. They uh, a few years ago they had Caleb Kelly, a five star linebacker from the state of California. Grant Calcaterra is also a California native. Uh, you know, Bookie Radley Hiles, guys like that. You know that that have gone there in high profile recruitments uh, and spurred a lot of the West Coast schools to go out to Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, Joe Mixon's another one. Curtis Bolton, who was a linebacker there as well. A couple of other names in recent years. And then you look at them getting Rollins Kabanji committed now. They're the crystal ball leader for Prophet Brown out of Sacramento. Uh, the four-star two-way guy can play corner, can play running back, and they lead in the crystal ball. And going back into the Northwest, they're in the top four for the number one receiver in the country, and Emeka Egbuka, who has built a really good relationship with Kayla Williams, who's a heavy lean to Oklahoma. He'll announce his decision next month, the number one dual threat in it's interesting. Uh, is tight with both the number one dual threat quarterback, Kayla Williams, but also the number one pro style quarterback, Sam Heward, who's committed to Washington. And those two schools, plus Ohio State and Clemson, are going at it for Agbuka, but Agbuka very seriously is considering the Sooners. So it's not just the, the defensive side of the balls. A number of the names that have gone to Oklahoma in the last years have been on the defensive side of the balls. Jeremiah Cradell is another one. But when we think Oklahoma right now, we think offense. And Igbuka could be the next piece of the puzzle to go to Oklahoma out of from the West Coast and you know continue to give Lincoln Riley the weapons that he needs to keep staying in the playoff hunt. But it's pickups like Rawlings Kabanji on the defensive side of the ball that have been the difference between getting into the playoffs and now winning playoff games. They're scoring. They just got to start stopping. And once they do that, then I think they get on a little bit further in the playoffs. And I think that that was why Rollins Kabanji became such a priority for them. Yeah, and, and, a, and a win and a recruiting victory that could pay off in a big way down the road. We're joined by Brandon Huffman. He's the national recruiting editor for 24-7 Sports. Brandon, did, did Nathan ever officially decommit from his basketball commitment to Washington State? He never did. And that was a fascinating <laughs> thing. I mean, even as late as yesterday, I was hearing buzz from Washington State people saying, well, he must be announced for Washington State because he hasn't decommitted. Guys, I think today you can put that to rest. He is no longer committed to the Cougs. I still want him to play both sports, switch switch uniform. I mean, you could still wear some of the maroon, right? They, they, they've got some uh, interesting there and, and or interesting color schemes there that, that could match up. Play They're football, both crimson, right? Yeah, play football, and and then head up to the Pacific Northwest and play a college basketball at Washington State. He'd be he'd be a pioneer. Um, his teammate Demir Collins, four star running back, also from Jefferson High School, is staying closer to home. He will play his college ball for Oregon State, and it's it's a monumental victory for the Beavers. He's the second highest running back that the Beavers have ever been able to get a commitment from after probably. You know, maybe pound for pound, uh, the most talented player Oregon State's had, at least in the last 25 years, with all due respect to you know, Chad Ochocinco and TJ Hushmanzada, and even Heisman Trophy winner Terry Baker. Steven Jackson is one of the, the most physically gifted players that Oregon State ever had, was a pro bowler with the Rams. And that tells you the, the kind of the rare air that Demir Collins is in. And more significantly, he's an in-state recruit for the Beavers. Got an early offer last summer from Oregon. Uh, we mentioned earlier Don Johnson, who talked Nathan Rollins Kabanji into playing football. Don Johnson was coaching Demir, and then Don Johnson got hired at the University of Oregon as the director of high school relations because of the two-year NCAA um, com, you know, previous interaction with the, with the recruit. Oregon was essentially a non-factor for Demir Collins because – Don Johnson was hired in a non-on-field position. 
that allowed Oregon State to really make the move. But Oregon State had spent the last year really making that move, where even if Don Johnson hadn't gone to Oregon, I liked where the Beavers stood with Demir Collins, largely because of the relationship that running backs coach Michael Petrie built with him. And the last couple of classes, Michael Petrie has done a fantastic job going into different parts of California, going into Southern California to get Jamar Jefferson, going into Northern California to get Isaiah Newell. But now he just goes up the road a little bit to Portland and lands the number three player in the state, third player in the top 10 in the state of Oregon to commit to the Beavers, but certainly their most significant in getting the four-star top five all-purpose back nationally into Mir Collins, the stay in state. And it just shows you again that Jonathan Smith was the right guy for that job in Corvallis and their recruiting continues to reflect that. Yeah, this is a, a, a common theme that we had been touching on for a long time in our previous incarnation, the West of the Rest podcast, where Oregon State was making all the right moves. Obviously, they showed some progress on the field last year, and they were using that to propel them on the recruiting trail. And given the fact that everything's been neutralized, right, a lot of the complaints or a lot of the maybe the issues for Oregon State is the fact that during the offseason, it's difficult to get recruits to go visit campuses and, and go up to Corvallis and go out and, and see the school. Well, all that's been eliminated, and now these coaches are putting in the effort electronically and virtually, and it's and it's you know kind of even things out and allowed them to really recruit at a different level that maybe we hadn't seen Oregon State. So obviously, an very a very impressive victory, despite the fact that you know, like you said, it is a local prospect and a, you know one of the highest rated running backs to ever go through the school. Kevin Thompson, a transfer from Sacramento State, made his, made his decision he will be playing his college ball at Washington. And it adds another interesting layer to Washington's quarterback recruiting, Huff. This one's fascinating because I remember seeing Kevin Thompson play his senior year in high school. He goes to the high school where my kids go and not too far from where I live. And I went to watch him play on a Thursday night game. And what I remember about that night was that it was the night Mariano Rivera played his last game at Yankee Stadium for the Yankees when he was called off the field by former teammates. And I remember because it was a kind of a boring Thursday night game, Auburn Riverside won. And at the time, Kevin Thompson was committed to UNLV. This is how long ago it was. Mariano Rivera was still playing Major League Baseball. Steve Sarkeesian was the Washington head coach. And Buda Baker, who will head into his fourth year in the NFL, was a fellow senior and the number one player in the state of Washington that year. So I went to watch Kevin Thompson play at UNLV. He signed with UNLV when Bobby Houck was the head coach. Houck ended up getting fired. Tony Sanchez comes in, red shirts that first season. Kevin Thompson does, then has two Tommy John surgeries, eventually leaves for Sacramento State, plays there as the starter in 2017, 2018, seven games one year, eight games the next year. Then last year, in another way of how everything kind of comes full circle, Troy T uh, Taylor takes over as the head coach of Sacramento State, allows Kevin Thompson to really come into his own as a passer. He ends up being the Big Sky Offensive Player of the Year. Sacramento State wins a share of the Big Sky. So Troy Taylor, who was the former head coach at Folsom, whose former quarterback was Jake Browning at Washington, now sees his quarterback go back to the school where Jake Browning played. Oh, by the way, Kevin Thompson was also in the recruiting class before Jake Browning was – Seventh year senior, but a couple of injuries, a very long road. But now you have him at Washington. We have Jacob Sermon, who's the only one of the three quarterbacks at Washington that has taken any college snaps. Dylan Morris, who redshirted last year, an incoming freshman, Ethan Garbers. Whereas you have Kevin Thompson coming in last year alone. He played against Arizona State, played against Fresno State. So he's actually got starts against Power 5 programs. He'll come in. His former offensive coordinator at Sacramento State was a guy by the name of Luke Heward. 
Luke Heward's nephew is Sam Heward, who's the number one quarterback and pro-style quarterback, as we mentioned earlier, in the 2021 class, who will enroll at Washington next year. So could Kevin Thompson be the guy that comes in because of the extensive experience he has, take over the reins from Jacob Eason, so that way you have your gap year quarterback to Sam Heward? It's going to be certainly fascinating to watch. Most fascinating by all of this, week two, Washington hosts Sacramento State University. Well, that's, I mean, if you, if you don't tune into this podcast for that rundown alone, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, Brandon Huffman, bringing the goods. That was incredible the way you uh, guided us through that puzzle. Um, Kevin Thompson, a couple Tommy John surgeries you were, you were saying earlier? Yeah, a couple Tommy John surgeries. Not something you really hear a lot in the football race. Well, and that's that's what brings us back to Mariano Rivera, who is who is now a Hall of Famer. So, you, and 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 you must remember, you have to wait a few years to even be a nominee to the Hall of Fame. So, uh, that, <laughs> and that's, he's been in for a few years already, right? <laughs> right? So that's how long Kevin Thompson's been uh, in, in the game. Uh, so Washington's getting a, a new quarterback there. Before we let you go, Huff. We got to go inside the crystal ball, as we always do. We've got a triple threat of expected commitments this coming weekend. Let's kick it off with Jalen Davies announcing Friday, four-star defensive end Quentin Summerville from the state of Arizona is announcing Saturday, and then Will Latu, a prospect from the state of Washington, is announcing on Sunday. What, is, what does the crystal ball say? So the crystal ball says that this is going to be like the old days of the Rose Bowl, Pac-12, Big Ten. Oregon right now is the front runner for Jalen Davies. They've obviously had some great success at Modern Day High School in the last couple of classes. Already have a commitment from his seven-on-seven seven and Modern Day teammate, Kyron Ware-Hudson. So I like where Oregon sits for Jalen Davies. Uh, with Washington, I think that they're the, the front runner for Will Latu, the four-star in-state kid. I expect him to stay home and pick the Huskies on Sunday on Father's Day. And then Quentin Somerville out of the state of Arizona. Saguaro has been sending players all over the country the last couple of years. And we might have a little bit of a rivalry on the Saguaro roster next year uh, with one Ohio State commitment in Denzel Burke and all the crystal ball signs pointing for Michigan for Quentin Somerville. And I know that that's a rivalry that, you know, you'll get an up close and personal look at with those two guys having covered the state of Arizona. Yeah, there's a lot of Arizona flavor on on both sides, right? Ohio State picking up Lathan Ransom, a four-star safety from, from the state of Arizona last year. Jack Miller, the quarterback from Scottsdale, Chaparral. Uh, and then obviously Michigan with Sean Nua, who was a former assistant at ASU, having those ties in the Phoenix area, having those relationships, it's paying off. And it, it does seem like the Wolverines will be uh, in, in good spirits after Somerville makes his announcement this Saturday. Huff. Thank you so much for joining us. That was awesome as always. Always good to be back with you, Blair. All right, that's Brandon Huffman. He's the national recruiting editor for 24-7 Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon Huffman. Stay right here. We're going to be joined by Mike Roach, the recruiting editor for Horns 24-7. You are listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We are back on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I am Blair Angulo, and we are taking it to the state of Texas next. We're going to be joined by Mike Roach. He's a recruiting editor for Horns 24-7. He also covers recruiting in the state of Texas. Mike, how are you doing? Blair, I'm doing great, man. I appreciate you for having me on. I'm a day one listener and subscriber of this podcast. Oh, so, we love uh, those. What a yeah, thrill. we love those. And, and, <laughs> and specifically, you're, I mean, this is usually Brian Doan territory, but you're a big Liverpool guy as well. So the Premier League is back. We've got some soccer on the TV. We, you know, Liverpool's a, a, a measly couple wins away from securing their first ever Premier League title. I shook my fist at people for the last two months and said, if they screw Liverpool out of their first Premier League title over this thing, I'm going to raise hell over it. So uh, glad to see they're back on the pitch. And I don't think anybody's within closing distance. Right. And, and and obviously, it's it's great to be able to see sports. I know, obviously, here stateside, we're getting closer to the NBA. I know the MLS has a tournament scheduled for Orlando next month. It sounds like baseball is kind of inching their way towards having something. And then, obviously, we've got a lot of practices uh, uh, across the country in terms of football, right? With football teams going back to campus and starting their summer workouts. We've got high school workouts beginning as well. And then the college season looks like it, it could be uh, on the horizon. You've been out to several showcases and events and workouts there in the state of Texas. What's the vibe been like when you mix in the fact that obviously these recruits haven't been able to get out to schools, haven't been able to show their talents in front of coaches, uh, but now they're all kind of itching to get the season rolling yeah that's exactly what it is and I think a lot of these guys in, in Texas at least have set up some of these showcases just because these kids didn't have the camp season to you know put some good performances down in front of media guys and, and get looked at by some college teams so you know our our phones have blown up from college coaches who love that I mean they're eating it up right now because it's the only thing new they have to look at of these recruits is the video we send them from these things so uh, the, the the high school kids are or chomp at the bit there, you know, you, you, in the past, I think if you would have gone to some of these showcases, maybe the big dogs don't necessarily attend it, but I think just the competitive energy, there's a lot of them uh, starting to attend these things now because they've got nothing else going on. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been good. I think people have been trying to be precautious with everything and uh, take, I'm sorry, be cautious and take precautions with everything. Um, I've been to, I think four high schools in the past two weeks and I've been, like heat check or a fever checked at each one and had to wear a mask and all those sorts of things. I think everybody's really mindful of not losing fall football, but uh, people are excited to be back. When we had Gabe Brooks on this podcast a, a few weeks ago, the big topic of conversation was the fact that a lot of these big name schools, right? The, the Ohio States, the Georgias, the Alabamas, uh, some of these big hitter schools are going into the state of Texas and 
plucking a lot of the in-state talent. And, and that's also helping the, the Texas, the Texas Techs, the Texas A&Ms, the Baylors uh, of also not only prioritizing some of these in-state recruits, but also maybe being a bit more mindful and realizing, all right, we're not going to get everyone that we want here within the state of Texas, but we can go out nationally and select some of these other uh, states, right? Go into Arizona, go into California, go into Georgia and, and, and the Midwest. Uh, when you think about the pandemic and, and, and maybe this crisis that uh, we've been through and how it has affected recruiting, how do you think that is going to affect Texas recruiting specifically? Do you think that's going to maybe make some of these recruits think about leaving the state? Do you think that's going to maybe raise the, the intensity level that the Texas staff puts into recruiting some of these in-state prospects? How do you think that's all going to shake out? Well, I think they already recruited a pretty high intensity level just from the sense that you can't be the head coach at Texas and and really lose a lot of kids from the state. I mean, it's not a it's not a sense of pride and it's it's starting to happen more and more. And um, but you know, I think that it's I, I my personal opinion is that the the pandemic's probably gonna make things a lot more local this year. Um, it's a lot tougher to get kids in on visits. You know, Texas had some some targets that they were making a lot of progress with on the West coast. They were set to get like Sierra Wright and on a visit right before the pandemic. Uh, I thought, thought they were in really good shape with Jameer Johnson. If they could hold him off from committing until he, uh, until they could get him on campus. And it sounds like that's not going to happen. So there's a lot of those cases where, you know, I feel like they've been making progress with the guy, but um, you know, it's hard to see a kid, commit before taking a visit. And then, you know, if they can't get them to the fall or whenever visits happen to take those visits, um, you know, I think that it's going to result in a lot of fallback options in state, maybe, uh, maybe more Juco type things, maybe uh, compromising a little bit and taking maybe a lower rated guy that, that you, you have to project a little more. But yeah, it's, it's certainly changed things from, from that aspect. We're joined by Mike Roach. He is the recruiting editor for Horns 24-7. And on that topic, Mike, obviously it's been a recruiting low period in terms of visits, but it hasn't slowed down the activity. Texas picked up a couple commitments this week that we wanted to touch on. Four-star defensive backs, both from the state of Texas, J.D. Coffey from Kennedale, Texas, and four-star cornerback Ishmael Ibrahim from Kimball High School in Dallas, Texas. Let's start with, with Coffee. How, how did this one pan out? How did this come to be? And, and what are the Longhorns getting in, in that four-star safety? Well, J.D. Coffey is one of the most uh, experienced players in the state of Texas. He's a four-year starter at Kennedale. Uh, his freshman year, he had nine interceptions on a state finalist team. Um, and it was really that was when he kind of jumped onto the, to the map. Texas actually offered under Craig Niver when he was here on the previous staff. And there was a point last summer where Coffee was very close to, to committing. And, um, you know, I think that decided to look at his options a little more when the staff turnover happened and Chris Ash came in. Um, there, was a, there was a little bit of a lull in communication, and I'm not sure Coffee felt wanted. Uh, during the pandemic, you know, it, things really picked up between Ash and Coffee. Uh, the two forged a really, a really strong relationship. And in the end, Texas is pretty much where coffee wanted to be. He, you know, he did flirt a little bit with uh, some, some Pacific Northwest schools, went up and visited Oregon and Washington. LSU was, was in the mix for him as well. But, uh, you know, Texas was always out in front when they were pushing for him. And, um, you know, in, in coffee, I think what they're getting is a guy who plays with, with great instinctive ability. Um, he's got, I believe 15 or 16 career interceptions. Um, so he gets his hand, finds the ball, gets his hands on the ball, plays physically. He could be a box guy. Uh, he's, he's a real track and smack, 
uh, type of guy is what his coach calls him. And, um, you know, when I talked to his, his head coach at Kittadel about him, his biggest comment was uh, from a leadership's perspective is that JD's not the most vocal guy, but everybody on the field follows what he's doing because, you know, they understand how much he, he knows about the game and how much preparation he puts in. So um, while he might not have the, the measurables or the super athleticism you see out of a lot of guys, I think he's a really safe pick at the position just because he, he's so good on the field. And then Ishmael Ibrahim, also in the top 24-7, a top 200 prospect according to the 24-7 sports composite. About 6'1", 175 are his measurables. And and just reading his scouting report, Gabe Brooks described him as a long-framed player with really high upside physically and just a rangy corner that has a lot of upside. Yeah, he's the exact opposite from Coffee. He's He's fairly new to the position. Um, but he's built like a dream at corner. I mean, the first time I saw the kid, it was in a a seven-on-seven tryout, and it was a drill where he would backpedal, flip his hips, and then high point the ball. And just watching him flip and then soar above everybody to go get the ball was – uh, you know, that was something where Blair, you, you've, you know how this is where you're just, you're kind of looking out over a field, watching a bunch of things at once and something catches your eye. And that's what caught my eye about ish. And um, he's a lot of projection, you know, he's Texas wants to uh, really go to, to a press coverage scheme and get press corners. And, and that's what Ibrahim does. He's, he plays in the inner city at, at Dallas Kimball, uh, which is a South Dallas school. And so um, while you don't see a bunch of, of, um, what I would call, I would say they're, they're behind from a technique standpoint, but um, you know, what Ish does is he just out athletes, the guy he's, he's across the field, uh, across the, the line from. And so uh, it's also worth noticing or mentioning that uh, these two guys play seven on seven ball together for Texas flex. Um, and they talked about playing together at the, at the next level. So um, for Texas, you know, coffee was one of their top safety targets. Ibrahim, from what I understand, was the top guy on their board in the country. Um, and they have a lot of faith and love for him. So uh, this, these were two huge uh, recruitments, especially with Ibrahim. You know, Texas, again, went head-to-head with uh, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Michigan, schools like that, and, and won him away. So with these two commitments, Texas now the number one class in the Big 12 and number 10 nationally or number nine, they are a top 10 class. They're number nine in the team rankings so far heading into the the summer months. Now, obviously, this maybe kind of sets them up, right, to to have some momentum, to build some buzz heading into this projected season that, that everyone is hoping actually takes place. Uh, what what is your sense when talking to recruits, talking to their coaches, their families uh, about the sense of the future of the program, the the potential for going there, and, and and just you know hoping that this staff can continue to to maybe actually get results on the field. You know there was so much excitement two years ago when Texas had a ten win season, beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, and coming off that, everybody thought there's nowhere to go but up really. And, and, you know, last season was really thought to be a, uh, you know, the, the next step season where they could maybe push to be a playoff team. And I think had they done that, they'd be recruiting at an unstoppable level. And unfortunately there was a lot of turmoil last season. Um, the coaching turnover doesn't help. It gives you the look of a lot of instability. I believe they fired uh, eight of the 10 coaches they had on this or uh, seven, I'm sorry, seven of the 10 coaches they had on the staff. So there's a lot of instability there. And, you know, the, the thing is, is there's a perception that um, people in Texas are against Texas. And I, I don't feel that to be the case because uh, 
I think that I've heard from so many people that, uh, you know, we're, we would love for Texas to be great. I talked to a parent earlier last week who said, uh, I wish Texas was a no brainer for my kid, but there's better, there's like, there's better football decisions for them at this point. And so really, you know, this is the first year that Tom Herman's, you know, first full class will be juniors. Uh, this is the first year I think we're going to get a real look at what he can build as a coach. And so um, it's a, it's an incredibly pivotal season where, you know, I think the program could go either way at this point. If, if Texas really wins and, and shows a lot of success on the field, recruiting takes off where I, I think if they do the same thing they've been doing or, or, or regress, I think that they find themselves in a really tough spot and maybe looking at another coaching change in, in the next year or two. So, yeah, not only are, are Texas recruits having to worry about maybe the future, right, the stability, whether or not there's going to be continuity uh, at, the, at the head coaching position, there's already been a lot of changes. Uh, there's been some turnover on the defensive staff. It, there, it hasn't really affected the defensive side of the ball when it comes to recruiting. Uh, but there there are a lot of recruitments that could hinge on on Texas possibly having a, a standout season on the field. Who are some guys to, to watch out for? Who are some top targets that Texas fans and, and national fans should keep their eye on given the fact that Texas, you know, enters a very pivotal year? You know, one of the bi- the biggest races in the country is for Tommy and James Brockermeyer, uh, two outstanding offensive linemen from from Fort Worth. And uh, right now, they're crystal balled heavily to Alabama, including from me, because I just put one in last week. And so um, the thing that makes that really distressful is they are third-generation Longhorns. So their grandfather played at Texas. Their dad was an All-American and an NFL uh, draft pick from Texas. And the brother currently plays on the team as a walk-on. So um, there's a lot of natural ties there, but I think that there's some mistrust with that instability that we talked about. And um, that's what's got Alabama surging at this point. I think that those guys, maybe if Texas wins and um, shows a little more stability, shows some development, that's another thing they're looking for. You know, maybe that changes some things with those two guys. Uh, another another prospect I'd say is Shamar Turner, uh, a talented defensive lineman from DeSoto in the Dallas area. He's a guy that's got Texas uh, basically in his top five with four SEC schools in A&M, Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. So obviously he's got a, a real big LSU bias, but I think if Texas can win, um, you know, that's a school he's always wanted to be at. I think he's just really kind of looking for a reason for Texas to give him one. So those are a couple guys I'd look for, you know, pending a good season for, for Texas to be able to land down the stretch maybe. Mike Roach, you can follow him on Twitter at Mike Roach 24-7. He is the recruiting editor for Horns 24-7. Mike, before we let you go, there was a descriptive word that you used earlier. He's built like a dream. And that's how I would describe some of these tacos that you've had out (laughs) in Vegas. Uh, obviously we weren't able to, to meet this year. I was in Phoenix, uh, out in Arizona for the Under Armour camp. You subbed in, uh, my seat. I, I heard right at tacos El Gordo down on the strip in Las Vegas when you were in town for the pylon seven on seven. Yeah. So I should tell you, I've been made an honorary West coast guy. I like big, it. By I like it. Um, we just gel together. I've got kind of an Island vibe to me. I'm pretty chill. Well, so we, we got to get you over to the Polynesian bowl. 
I'll just say the word, I, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to get there. That's my thing. Um, and, and before we get into these tacos, I do got to say to you, Blair, for any of our guys on, on our board that hear you, you're pretty much our favorite person on the Horns 24-7 board because when you come in, it's usually with good news about a guy like Bijan Robinson or somebody like that. So they love to hear from you when you do drop in. But, um, yeah, uh, uh, Huff took me to, to Tacos El Gordo. He made me promise not to tell you, which I, I haven't until now. Um, because he said that's y'all spot and uh, you were pretty bummed that you couldn't make it. And uh, man, I didn't know what to expect when I walked in there. And, uh, you know, I should have known going with Huffman that um, he's the foodie, you know, he knows the spots and, and to trust him and uh, some of the best tacos I've ever had. And I live in Texas, so that's saying something. Yeah, no, we're all going to have to do it uh, eventually together. So uh, thank you so much for, for joining us, Mike, and, and I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on, man. All right, that's Mike Roach. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Mike Roach 247 He is the recruiting editor for Horns 24-7. Again, a reminder before we let you go, please submit your recruiting questions for an upcoming mailbag episode. Do so in a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. So for Brandon Huffman, for Mike Roach, this is Blair Angulo. Thank you so much for listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.